This is an original podcast from the Jack Radio Network. Discover more on Jack Radio Player. Hi, it's Leisha from the news team here at Jack. And for this episode of the Oxfordshire News Podcast, we're going to be covering the UK's first zero emission zone, which after years of us talking about it, is actually here in Oxford. Run by both Oxfordshire County and Oxford City Council, they're introducing this zone to essentially improve air quality and cut carbon emissions. So we've brought together the leaders, the health and transport experts, businesses and campaign groups to discuss what it means for Oxford. First, you might be asking, what is the zero emission zone? Who can go in it? Who can't? Where even is it? And why and how does it work? Well, I can answer all of these as I spoke to City Councillor and Cabinet Member for Green Transport, Tom Hayes. I've got about 10, 15 really short, quick-fire questions because I wanted to do a little piece that people can just hear and understand exactly what it is and what's going on. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so firstly, what is the zero emission zone? It means basically that in order to enter the pilot zone, which is launching in February 2022, you need to be able to drive in a car which is compliant. And if you aren't, then you're going to have to face a charge. And where is it operating first? The pilot zone is operating in the heart of the historic city centre. It's covering nine streets. And the goal then is to expand out over the next 12 to 18 months across the wider geography of the city centre. And why have we done this? Why did we want this in Oxford? We want it because we know that air pollution can cut short people's lives, it can cut short the quality of life. And we know that transport emissions are the leading source of air pollution in our city. We're also facing a climate crisis and transport is a major contributor towards our carbon footprint. And who can and can't go in this zero emission zone? The zero emission zone is applicable to all people, but we have provided some discounts and exemptions depending on who you are. And can hybrid vehicles go in in zero emission zone? So selected low emission hybrid private high and hackney carriage vehicles can. And how will I know if I've gone in it or gone on the roads? Signage which will be on the approach towards the zone. And what happens if you go in there, I mean by accident or not, and you don't have the car that's exempt? You can pay on the County Council, Oxfordshire County Council's website, up to 24 hours after um, entering in order to avoid a fine. And how much is it if you just wanted to pay and drive in? If you want to go in as a driver of an ultra-low emission vehicle, it's £2 for a daily charge. For a low emission vehicle, it's £4 and all of the vehicles, it's £10. And where does the money go from the charges or the fines? The goal really is that we raise no money whatsoever. We want people to be changing how they get around so that they walk or they get the bus. But if people are going to be entering the zero emission zone with a non-compliant vehicle, all monies that are raised, and we hope to raise no monies, will go towards transport infrastructure improvements. And what's the deal with kind of like scooters and mopeds and kind of smaller motorbikes? Mopeds are exempt um, and e-scooters are fine to go into the zone. So obviously you've said it's a pilot and it's quite small scale to start with. And I just kind of wanted to ask, like, why should people care? People are increasingly concerned about the contributions that we're making individually and as a city towards our climate crisis. And I think people will welcome the chance to reduce transportation emissions. We know that younger people, older people and vulnerable people are particularly disadvantaged by air pollution. So this is a question of justice. It's a question of equality and social fairness. The pilot area that you do have, it is quite heavily pedestrianised. So do you know what you'll be taking from that? What we're going to take from the introduction of the zero emission zone is monitoring for traffic impacts, but also for air quality. 
it's definitely one way to wake me up. Thank you for that. <laughs> so the fine for entering the zone with a polluting car and not paying beforehand has finally been confirmed. It will set you back £60. That will reduce to 30 though if the payment is made within 14 days, but it will go up to £90 if it's not paid within 28 days. But it might be handy to know you can pay to enter the zone up to six days before, on the day you enter, and up to six days after. Now, I'm going to hand you to Katie Waple from News, who popped into the city to speak to some of the businesses inside the new zone and find out what they think about it. Yes, so firstly I visited Andrea, who is the manageress at the Art Café, which is in Bond Square, which is one of the six roads affected. She told me what she's most worried about. I think it's going to be a big issue for deliveries. Uh, the drivers are a bit worried and they don't know what they're going to do when this happens. Same with the uh, rubbish collectors or recycling and everything. So everyone's quite all worried and no one knows what they should do once this starts. And at the moment it's only affecting six roads, but they're thinking if this works it will be expanded to the whole city. So how will the future look for you? Are you concerned about that? To be honest, I am concerned because it makes it really difficult for businesses to do their day-to-day trading and everything it's everyone needs suppliers we get we get them every single day so I think it's gonna be really difficult unless some of them they'll just have to pay the charges I guess at the end of the day I think that's what they have to do and probably the cost will fill it and then the customer will fill it so how many deliveries do you have say for a day I'll say at least five a day because we get small amounts of products from different suppliers that the council are doing it to lower emissions do you feel like that's a good thing and they're going about it the best way so it's good for the environment but it's going to be bad for the costs for businesses i don't think this is the best time to do that i just hope it's just a pilot and it will prove that it doesn't work out very well and then we just carry on being like we are now also on new in hall street which is where I met Peter, the general manager at the George Street Social. Similar concerns for him, mostly about the extra charges his business will have to pay. Probably that ends up on our prices being raised because I don't think anyone in this country currently as a business can afford uh, extra charges and that's clearly occurred them. So I think it's uh, £12 for the lorry. Of course, uh, freshness of our products, we have to get daily deliveries. So we do have uh, probably 10 suppliers. And then uh, if you multiply by 12, 14 deliveries, that's looking for about 150 pounds a week. So it's looking about 10,000 pounds a year, which obviously not directly, but somehow will hit our business. So on the top of the rents, labor costs, cost of recovery from the COVID, we will have another quite substantial bill. Realistically, adding any extra charges that's going to reflect on our ability to, to, to be functional in Oxford and that's, that's put a massive question mark. Staying on new in Hall Street, this is Andrea who is the owner of Geek Retreat. We do get a parking space at the back, so for us it's nice and easy to park. If we are to park somewhere else, obviously it's um, very high cost parking in Oxford for us and the people who work here getting here in an affordable way, I think that's the main impact that it's going to have on us. This street is not very travelled, it's mainly for deliveries, it's mainly for taxis, things like this, you can't really drive all the way through it. So I don't think that's going to make big impact. 
dough, speaking of deliveries, that is one of the things that's going to affect us because we do have our supplier delivery twice a week. So obviously the supplier gets here and we get our own food and drinks delivery. And also because if we are to go and get stuff from the supplier again, where will we park to get the things in? Because if there are exceptions and if they say no delivery lorries only, or delivery vans only, then all is good. If not, that's gonna create a problem. If there are deliveries, but they have extra costs incurred with them, how will that affect the business? Again, it's very difficult at the moment as the business itself at the moment is struggling. So we, I don't think it, we would be able to pay anything extra at the moment due to the COVID situation that has decreased our customer base drastically. Thanks, Katie. And just in case you're wondering, the other roads in the zone are Queen Street, St. Michael Street, Corn Market, Ship Street and part of Market Street. And as heard there, most of the worries are centred around the extra charges there will be for firms getting their deliveries in the future. So back to Tom Hayes to quickly clear this one up. Businesses do have particular support, not just in the form of those um, e-cargo bikes to the covered market that I was talking about but also in the form of discounts and exemptions. And the zone is a time zone, which means therefore that people can change how they receive deliveries and the times that they receive them. And the timings of the zero emissions zone we've introduced are deliberately intended to address the air pollution that's caused at the points of the day where we've got the highest footfall. So we would encourage businesses to reorganize their deliveries to outside of the zone's operating hours, which is 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., or alternatively, to use their discounts and exemptions. Right, we've heard from what some of the businesses think, but what about the residents? We asked these people passing through the city centre what they think about the zone, or if they'd even heard of it. My name is Catherine. I cycle to work every day, 10 miles one way, and I think the more zero emission zones we have, the better for everyone. Uh, Joseph. Um, so it won't affect me much. I'm a student at Oxford. Most students, like myself, don't have a car or any kind of petrol vehicle with them at uni. So I mostly use public transport, walk and cycle anyway. I work in the fair trade shop in St Michael's Church. So I come into the city centre three days a week. The air will be cleaner. I cycle through the city centre to get to other places. Like Jaw Street being quieter would probably be a nice thing. My name's Catherine Young. I drive an electric car and uh, take the bus or cycle into Oxford. So I'm lucky that I'm okay with the zero emission zone. But do you think it's a good thing? The pollution at the moment is the volume of buses that just leave their engines idling. And also I actually think younger people who all come and install kind of wood burning stoves in their homes, that's the problem. Kurt Baldwin, I'm all for the greening of town centres. I don't believe park and ride is is the panacea that it was hoped to be not everybody's coming in to spend the day and if you're not coming in for more than a few hours it's really all it's going to do is discourage people from going to town center and we need to keep encouraging people to go to the town center but at the same time there's no reason why you can't have a healthy sized pedestrian area without the fumes of traffic and noise of traffic Often in Oxford, it's, you always feel like you're going to get run over by a car or a bus, so it's probably quite nice to not have to worry about that. So you might be wondering why we even need to do something to clean up our air. Joe. Yeah, good point, Leisha. So looking back in 2019, parts of Oxford City experienced nitrogen dioxide levels that were above the annual legal limit. That includes High Street, George Street and St Aldate's. 
Now, the City Council keeps track of the levels in over 70 different locations, but over the past decade, the levels have been dropping. Now, the gas is harmful to humans and a high concentration can damage our respiratory system, so the thing that helps us breathe. In 2020, at the height of the pandemic, air pollution levels in Oxford dropped because we were all ordered to stay at home, of course, and the figures for last year haven't been released yet. Overall, though, transport emissions currently account for 17% of greenhouse gases in Oxford. Thanks, Joe. Let's hear from the experts now. Professor Nick Eyre is the scientific advisor for the City Council, and he's been helping find solutions to the problem of climate change locally. So, yeah, scientific advisor for the Council is uh, an, an interesting job. It's focused primarily on, on climate change. The Council, as you will know, is keen to do a lot of work on climate change to make Oxford a net zero city by 2040. From a scientific point of view, what kind of benefits will this zero emission zone bring environmentally to this area? Well, immediately, the biggest benefits will be, uh, be air quality. So we know that some of the important uh, pollutants that cause bad health difficulties, in particular for children, for old people, for people with, with lung conditions, and the main sources of those are vehicles. Uh, and Oxford City Centre has um, uh, levels that are above the recommended uh, levels. So that means that they are causing health problems for people. It's, it's really great news that the councils are setting out to do something about that. Longer term, the aim is to get the, the country to zero carbon emissions by 2050, and Oxford has set itself a tougher target of, of 2040. So be well on the road to doing that by 2030, and I think it's sensible to, uh, to do it in stages, to do it starting in the centre, uh, where there's the biggest health benefits, and move, move outwards. It's appropriate that a city like Oxford goes first. We've got, uh, obviously, a lot of ancient buildings and a lot of narrow streets in our city centre, streets that weren't designed for any sort of vehicle, never mind uh, highly polluting vehicles. And we've got a population who we know are very keen to take action in these areas and to have a healthier city. Literally thousands of people die every year as, as a result of poor air quality from the, from the pollutants that come out of, of vehicles. So just as we've responded as a community to the pandemic, when we can see risks to the most vulnerable people, that's exactly the way we should respond uh, to air pollution issues as well. In the longer term, on the climate change issue, exactly the same thing applies. We're seeing on a global basis, we're seeing the uh, some of the poorest people in the world affected by floods and drought and food shortages and water shortages, all of them driven by climate change. And I think that gives us, as a richer country, a moral responsibility to take a lead. And it's just a case of getting on and doing it now. I'm Rosie Rowe and I'm the Head of Healthy Place Shaping in the Public Health Team at Oxfordshire. So a Healthy Place Shaping is essentially looking at those wider social and environmental factors that influence our health, whether it's easy to walk and cycle, whether you've got close access to uh, green spaces and about how we can try to both design healthy places that support people to have better health and well-being and to prevent poor health and disease in the first place. So how do you think Oxford's big zero emission zone plans fit into that? 
Well, we know that the quality of our air is a really important um, influence on our physical health. And we've seen this through COVID that actually where there are there have been areas of, of poor air quality linked to respiratory diseases, lung diseases, the risk of COVID ha has increased. Tackling poor air quality is really important in terms of not just for people who have lung conditions or respiratory diseases like asthma, but to prevent people developing them in the first place. I think everybody listening to this will be interested in anything we can do to clean up the air, but how much of a difference do you think the zero emission zone will actually have? Well, I think it will make a significant difference. There are two elements to poor quality air. One is particulate matter, which is really, really tiny particles that can go deep down into the lungs and cause problems around cardiovascular, so heart disease and uh, strokes. And then the second area is around nitrogen dioxide. In urban areas, 80% of nitrogen dioxide emissions are due to transport. So if we can reduce the number of diesel cars and vans and petrol cars and vans, then it will make a significant difference to the quality of our air and as a result to people's health. And there's been a number of changes to promote those kind of cycling and walking infrastructure. But we know that's not enough. You also have to enable people to, to access that infrastructure. So some of the things that we've been doing in east of Oxford is setting up bike libraries so that if people can't afford a bike, then they can go and loan a bike. We've been offering free cycle repairs so that if people have got a, a bike in the shed, they can get it out and get it, get it up and running at, at, at no or very low cost. We've spoken before to sort of experts on the difference that changing our diets can maybe make on the environment and what, say, cutting out one meat meal a week would do. And I just wondered if we looked at that for cycling or walking, if everyone decided one day a week where they'd usually jump in the car to, to jump on a bike or to walk into the city, how much of a difference do you think that would have? It's as much the cumulative impact of that. If people see others cycling, walking, it generates a, a culture of people feeling that actually this is normal. This isn't difficult. You can then create that kind of, if you like, a bit of a movement to create a, a community where it's just the easy, easy choice and the default choice. I wondered whether you thought that a zero emission zone or something similar, maybe smaller, could work in any other Oxfordshire towns. I'd love to see it in some of the other market towns, but I think we, we kind of need to test the concept in, in Oxford, learn from that, and then see what the opportunities are in other parts of Oxfordshire. But we need to reinvigorate our high streets and creating areas where it's really easy and pleasant to walk and cycle it is really vital. So that was our news editor, Joe, speaking with Rosie Rowe, who's the head of Healthy Play Shaping. Next is Duncan M. Wright, and he basically does for the county council what Tom Hayes does for the city council. And this is what he had to say. I'm the county councillor and I'm the cabinet member for Travel and Development Strategy. So my responsibility is to launch the zero emission zone in Oxford the first of its kind in the country, if not the world, in order to tackle the climate emergency, but also in a way that leaves Oxford a cleaner, 
healthier city. What's it been like creating the first one? Have we had projects that we've able to copy from in other countries or is it something we've just kind of gone in blind with? We're taking a slightly different approach and the reason we're launching with uh, initially quite a small pilot area is so we can make sure everything works okay. I'd expect to see fewer cars. We already see relatively few, of course, on things like the high street, uh, but I would expect that to be true across the city centre. And instead, I expect people will be using bikes and walking to get around, but also using buses and we'll be creating more space for them and for essential car users, let's be honest. I mean, people, uh, blue badge holders, for example, still need to access the city centre. But there should be an awful lot less congestion and the air should smell sweeter. And obviously we are causing a bit of disruption with, you know, to businesses and drivers and buses. And do you think that this inconvenience will outweigh the benefits of, of having this clean air? We, we need to learn lessons as we go, for sure. But I think that the benefits should massively outweigh uh, the inconvenience for some and of course this is a sort of public health problem because we know that people with breathing problems for example find it really uncomfortable being in the city centre and we've got to do something for their sakes. Every city is looking at one way or another trying to reduce the amount of emissions and pollution. Oxford because of its different shape and size uh, has decided we've decided to go for zero emission zone first and we'll be looking at other measures as well to make sure that we've got as many possible ways of making buses travel smoothly, quickly, that are affordable, but also um, to build on our heritage as a cycling city. And what does this mean for the cyclists? Well, not much because you'll be able to ride straight into the zone. There's currently 300,000 cycle trips taken a week in Oxford, including commuters and people cycling for fun. And in fact, councils are hoping they'll increase even more with the zone launch. First, this is Alison Hill from Cyclox, which is a cycling campaign group based in Oxford, and she thinks it's a good thing. We feel it's just one part of a big picture of reducing traffic in the centre of Oxford. I mean, the zero emission zones are very exciting in that they are excluding um, fossil fuel driven cars, and um, so it will result in good reduction in air pollution, but um, it's obviously only affecting six small streets at the moment, which are not very heavily trafficked. It probably won't make a difference to cyclists. The one street we do think might have quite a big impact is New Inn Hall Street, which is um, just at the end of St Michael's Street, um, between George Street and um, Bond Square. And that has been notorious for terrible parking and blocking of the cycle route, which is a national cycle route going along that road. So we do feel that will significantly improve um, access for cyclists. Once it's extended further, the bigger picture for cyclists, then will that change your routes completely? Well, that will make a huge difference. I mean, I think generally the routes are less important than the fact that there is less traffic. All the plans about extending the zero emission zone is going to actually help enormously in terms of reducing traffic. That's part of another plan called Connecting Oxford, which is about reducing through traffic through the city by putting in traffic filters, also known as bus gates, in various strategic spots so that we'll, we'll stop a large amount of traffic going through the city centre, apart from buses, obviously, and taxis.
Do you think it will encourage people to cycle more now with this initiative? Yes, I think everything that um, results in a reduction in car traffic and pe makes people feel roads are safer will definitely make a difference. The reason why people don't cycle is because they feel fearful of the roads and of the amount of traffic. And so actually traffic reduction is probably the number one thing to, um, to tackle, as well as creating safe segregated cycle routes, which will also help people feel safer on the roads. So my name's Christopher Benton. I'm the founder and CEO of Pedal and Post. So we're an ultra low emission uh, courier service in Oxford. We tend to deal with sort of the bigger parcel carriers. So we tend to intercept um, sort of supply chains before they get to the shops. So a lot of customers, when they order stuff online from you know, Amazon or a number of other places, they don't necessarily know who's gonna deliver it. So we'll suddenly show up because we work with these big car like parcel carriers. Uh, they drop to our hub on the outskirts of the city and then we load up the bikes and deliver the, what's called the last mile into the city. We tend to just show up and surprise people generally. Normally it would be us trying to engage with, you know, big parcel carriers, you know, these are big national brands and trying to get your foot in the door. Where, Whereas regulations like this kind of spur on innovation. So a lot of the parcel companies have suddenly started getting in touch with us instead. So it's kind of turned the tables a little bit and now it's brought everyone together around a table to go, well, okay, well, how do we solve this? And how do we go ultra low emission? Which has been our goal from the start. So it's really exciting to be working in logistics and transport at the moment. The pandemic period has seen delivery spike. So I believe it's about we're probably about five years ahead of where we should be um, in sort of increasing demand for online deliveries with a lot of people self-isolating. Um, so we've really been trying to push and help the kind of community and residents and businesses of Oxford um, just to kind of see through that kind of transition. And I think it's largely going to be here to stay for quite a while yet. Um, so we're really excited to see a number of projects, particularly sort of like segregated cycle lanes that are coming in East Oxford, traffic calming measures, all of these things, because I think one of the largest barriers to active travel is the roads being considerably dangerous in Oxford. I think that puts a lot of people off and it's like, well, I don't want to let my kids cycle to school because it's dangerous, so we'll pop them in the massive SUV instead and we'll drive them there because the perception is it's safer. And I think that's got to change quite a lot in Oxford because um, it's not just sort of deliveries, but we've got everything from tradespeople like plumbers and electricians that are going to have to go emission free, doing the school run, doing shopping, all these things are going to have and require behavioural change, um, which is much more sort of challenging to go sort of ultra low emission, which is, I think, why it's exciting to work in this space. That was Christopher Bennett, the CEO and founder of Pedal and Post. Now, you might have heard of Oxford Livable Streets, but just in case you haven't, it's a group who work to improve streets and highways and transport infrastructure locally and basically push for more active travel like walking and cycling. Danny Yee is the CEO and says a downside to the zero emission zone as it expands will be it will give electric car owners privileged access to the city centre. And I caught up with him in Bond Square. Firstly, just what do you think about the zero emission zone launching? So... Obviously it's tiny. The first thing you notice about it on the map is that it's absolutely tiny. If I were to walk around this block, if I were to walk down Corn down Queen Street, up Corn Market, George Street, back down Union Hall Street, I would have traversed most of it and I would have been able to see all of it. It makes sense to get a small zone in place first, to get the administrative procedures sorted out, and then to expand it later. Do you think that there's going to be much impact with it at the start? Obviously, like you said, it's just very pedestrianised even at the start. And there are a lot of exemptions. But I think it's having some effect already. So, um, 
you would have noticed that DPD delivery vans in Oxford are now electric. And I've heard rumours that Tesco vans are going to go electric too. And you can see increasing numbers of cycle freight all around Oxford. And this will give that those companies an advantage over, a slight advantage over alternatives and help push, push those towards. And one thing that I've seen you talking about is like making more space for cycle and walking in Oxford. I just wanted to just ask you a bit about this and, and why we need it. Well, that's actually the biggest downside to the ZEZ is as it expands, it may become no more than a way of giving electric car owners, who are a relatively privileged group of residents, privileged access to the city centre. So we would like to see a much broader control on motor traffic in, in central Oxford. I don't know if you caught it, but last week in the news, we told you that Oxfordshire could save an estimated 9,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide emissions each year if the county council was successful in a bid for £30 million. That would actually be the equivalent of taking more than 6,000 cars off the road. It's applied for the cash from the government's zero emission bus scheme, but it would also need an extra £43 from bus companies go ahead and stagecoach. So finally we spoke to the buses. We've been told the zone won't affect services or bus stops at first, but this could change with the expansion. Joe spoke to the Oxford Bus Company. Andy Morrison, Head of Customer Experience. Since 2014, when uh, Oxford's low emission zone was brought in, we've invested millions in in sort of uh, improving the efficiency and, and lowering the emissions of our vehicles. We were actually preparing for an ultra low emission zone. Essentially, we're now just skipping over to go towards the zero emission. Part of the process of getting to that ultra low emission zone was getting all our vehicles up to Euro 6 or better. Um, and we got to three quarters of that level in December of 2020. And then of course, it was postponed. So we've been preparing for that anyway, uh, on the basis that our vehicles have sort of a working life of 10 to 15 years. We've got a couple of electric vehicles in our in our fleet already in our sightseeing operation. Now that we've invested only in the last couple of years, all this money in ultra low emission vehicles, we're not quite at the stage where we can just go fully electric because we've still got you know enormous uh, life in these vehicles and it would be incredibly wasteful to just dispose of them and buy electric ones. So we're currently uh, working on a bid in conjunction with the county council for the zebra scheme as they call it which is the uh, zero emission bus regional areas scheme which uh, will see us convert entirely to electric within the next few years if we're successful in that bid even if we wanted to and we had like you know millions of pounds spare we couldn't go out and buy electric buses tomorrow uh, because the models we need to actually uh, run the distances we need and provide the daily range we need just just aren't available at the moment they're very close to to available and uh, we will sort of be in a position to purchase them very soon but as of the uh, the start date it will be no no material change to buses or, or bus stops in oxford but it sounds like for you then there needs to be a catch-up of technology to meet our aspirations yeah that does we're talking to lots of different businesses around the uk that are, are seeking to fill this this market um the average electric bus to, re- to replace uh, what we currently have, they're about double the cost of a, of a traditional diesel or diesel hybrid bus. Over the last few months, we have obviously reported on changes by the Oxford Bus Company to potentially reduced routes because there has been a drop in passenger numbers in recent months and years because of COVID and other issues. Are you hoping that potentially, maybe not with the initial pilot zone because it is so small, but the zero emission zone in general will be getting more people on the buses and will maybe boost those numbers back up and maybe even lead to some of those cancelled routes being reinstated. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly the goal of all this. And the, the biggest factor really is speeding up the speed of the buses because our, our average journey time has increased on some routes by up to 40 or 50% over the last few years, uh, just through congestion. So by being able to you know, travel more quickly, obviously not speeding, but you know, traveling closer to the actual speed limit would mean that it lowers the cost of running the service dramatically, which means we can put on higher frequencies with actual actually no additional cost to ourselves because we can just get around quicker. We're not sitting stationary in traffic for longer than we need to. The council are now proposing to extend the pilot zone to cover the entire city centre by the end of this year. But that's it from me and I hope I've helped you understand the zone better. Keep a lookout for those signs and don't be going down them roads if you haven't paid. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you.